Hello, audience. I'm back. After a quote-unquote brief hiatus, I am now posting my first ever recorded podcast, Games with Graham. As this was the first podcast, we had some audio issues, so I had to do some pretty extreme editing, which is why it took me so long to post. Uh, so please bear with us when we are banging on the table, screaming loudly, as I didn't have the games set correctly. But please enjoy the upcoming episode, Games with Graham. Are you recording right now? Or is it not recording? Does it matter? Yeah, it does. Why does it matter? Because i got to put my performance pants on. You put your performance <laughs> pants? Did you bring extra pants? No, it's a uh, metaphor, metaphorical pants. Metaphorical see, yeah. metaphorical pants, yeah. Uh, okay, clearly we were recording. I clearly guess. we were I recording. I can tell by the cadence of your voice. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Passing the Time with Matt Harvey and Strange Guest. Strange Guest today is Graham Landon. So say hello. Hello. I'm nice. Graham Landon. Nice. And apparently I'm strange. Random guest. Oh, okay, there you Random go. guest. This is a podcast where you just listen so that you're passing the time. Um, so I used to do this thing back when I was a hoodlum. Uh, I, a, a vagrant. I was smoking a lot of weed. Sure. Um, uh, beatnik? I don't mm. even know what beatnik means. What's it's beatnik? A- it was a term from the 1950s and 60s in um, New York. It was kind of like the turtleneck smoking jazz, jazz you know, cigarettes. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that crowd. That, yeah, those so were the beatniks. I, when I was a beatnik. Yeah. Um, slam poetry. Slam poetry. <laughs> uh, for those of you who can't see me right now, I did spirit fingers. Because uh, these aren't spirit fingers. These are spirit fingers. <laughs> um... But I used to do this thing with this guy. His name was Austin. Uh, we'd be really high, and we would we would do this thing called topic of conversation. And so one of us just randomly would go topic of conversation, dogs, and then we would just talk about dogs. And so that's kind of like why I, I had this idea for this passing the time podcast. This Seinfeld esque. It's good. Story about nothing. You could have a really meta episode. Where you talk about why you have the podcast on the podcast. That is true. I could do that. <laughs> that sounds like magic in the making. Uh, probably never going to do that. <laughs> you should introduce what you do. Okay, so what... I'm Graham, and, and what do I do? <laughs> so, Who is your daddy, and what does he do? So by education, I am an archivist. I have an undergrad in history and sociology, which is a really good Bridgeway degree to archives. This is English, pretty much any humanity, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and I went and did my master's in archives records management. Now, what I do, you know, every day is manage, migrate, and support archival management systems. Mm-hmm. So that's my job. One of the cool things that you did is that journal that you transcribed. Yeah. That was one, one thing that I, really, I thought was really cool. Yeah, um, so that was for the North Vancouver, District of North Vancouver mm-hmm. um, Museum and Archives. Shout out to Janet Turner, who was the archivist there. Um, I'm sure we'll get <laughs> this to Janet. There's no way she will ever listen to this. But, but shout out. They had a community member, a uh, really well-known community member who fought in World War Two, World War One. sorry, World War One, um, And his name was Walter Draycott. 
and we had all of the journals of Walter Draycott. And he was a... He was in, like, special operations. I can't remember exactly what it was, but essentially he made maps. So he would, like, go to a vantage point, and he would draw maps of uh, trenches and that kind of thing. And uh, he was a fastidious keeper of a diary. So he had journals for the entirety of the war with, you know, a few gaps in there, partly because he got injured pretty... in war. He was in war. He got (laughs) injured pretty badly a couple times. Um, but yeah, so I, what I did there was transcribe these journal entries. Um, and I also did footnotes for them, um, as well. Um, so, you know, it could be anything from today, the sky is gray and wet to, um, I was, I was drawing a picture of an enemy trench. There was two guys to either side of me. I finished up my drawing and looked over and they were both shot in the head, like the craziest or the most mundane things that I ever read. So I, uh, yeah, helped transcribe those digitally, and then I put footnotes in there. So if he references some ye old-timey thing, I would do the research and then footnote it so that uh, people could understand it. So that yeah. was that was a really cool project that kind of helped, helped me get into archiving. So I encourage you all to go and volunteer for your local archiver museum. Very nice. I was also going to plug its uh, Monova.ca, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So M-O-N-O-V-A dot C-A, um, or just, you know, Google Walter Draycott. Yeah. Um, it's in here. It's really cool. I've, I've looked through it, and it's, um, uh, yeah, I, I knew you were a nerd from the day we met, <laughs> so uh, you it, knew you were going to do big things. Yeah, it's a cool project. There's more than just journal entries. There's a timeline, which I also built. Um, and <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> some, cool, some cool other bits. Lots of ending, and cool, drawings. cool pictures. Everyone loves cool pictures. Everyone likes pictures. Awesome. Um, What are we talking about today? Well, I think we can have a variety of topics, but one thing that I thought would be interesting to talk about is is game preservation. Game preservation. Specifically video game preservation. Okay. Because I think you'll have opinions on it. I have opinions on a lot of things. And I also have some domain knowledge, both about (laughs) video games and about preservation. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah. I kind of... And it's it's actually, in my opinion, it's kind of topical right now. Okay. the the new uh well not new but the re make mm-hmm. re-release perhaps mm-hmm. of uh grand theft auto yep has a lot of people oh boy you know upset for yep. a variety of different reasons so i thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about you know what is game preservation is that an example of game preservation yes or no um so know. in your idea just generally speaking what is game preservation so I mean, I can also Google it, and yeah. and we can see what the you what we the can Google we says. can do the, the the Wikipedia, the you know Webster's Dictionary says <laughs> the definition of game preservation is game preservation, and this is where we can cut so it looks like we're prepared. Yeah, uh, how do you spell preservation? Preservation nailed it first try. Game preservation is maintaining a stock of game to be hunted legally. Wait, what? <laughs> so you might want to put a video, video in front of uh, in front of that. Mm-hmm. As soon as you said stock, I was like, "This doesn't sound right." That's I stopped and I was like, "Are we talking about you know stocks and or bonds?" Yeah. Video game present, uh, preservation is a form of preservation applied to the video game industry that includes, but is not limited to, digital preservation. There you go. Such preservation efforts include art. Of course, you wanted to talk about archiving. 
um, development source code, as well as art asset, digital copies, video games, emulation of video game hardware, maintenance and preservation of specialized video game hardware, such as arcade games, video game consoles, and digitization, another thing that you love to talk about, yeah. of print video game magazines and books prior to the digital revolution. That was that's, one shot. That's really good and excellent reading. Thank you. I mean, actually, recall from your memory. Yes, I'm very well prepared so, for this podcast. So why don't we unpack that okay. a little bit? Some and I, I'm going to skip over the last part, the magazines and books. That's, in my opinion, that's just kind of regular archiving. Mm-hmm. It's print media. But so there's different... They're talk, they talk about kind of different methods for game preservation. They talk about digital preservation, which is taking... Uh, basically a born digital file so code yep and preserving it but then they also talk about the preservation of physical media so not only is it maybe a disc or a cartridge or you know all the different ways games have been stored in physical media for a while but also you know you could save (laughs) (laughs) it's hard to talk yeah with the two cats i have two cats for those of you listening this is going obviously to a broad Thousand person audience. Yeah. People don't know me. I have two cats. Spawn Tigger. They're currently playing in a dollar store torn up f- fabric box. It's a bit of a Lion King situation going on. Yeah. One's on, you know, kind of on the edge. And, oh, there you go. Yeah. Little scar vibe. How clawful. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so, so this, this is the point of the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Just, we're passing time. We're passing time. That's it. So, so it's not only how are you, you know, preserving that medium on the cartridge or whatever, but mm-hmm. like a like a VHS tape or a DVD. How do you play that? Like, who has a VCR these days to play? Yes. Now, I think that people who play video games are particularly good about preserving their consoles Mm. so you know you look at when an nes came out and you know vcr no one has a vcr anymore a lot of people still have their original nes's this is very true and i think that it's i don't think at first at least it was a conscious effort within the community of people that play video games but i think it's something that has kind of come out over time and do you think a lot of that has to do with wanting to preserve that or just the the preservation of the nostalgia of childhood. Like, I kept my Sega Genesis because, hey, uh, 10 years later, I wow, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, it's still here, I can play it. Um, or do you think there are some people that boxed it up were like, I want to keep this for all time? I think it's a bit of both, but I think that you've kind of na- nailed the nostalgia bit on the head a bit more than other communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and within the field of, you know, archives, digital preservation, that kind of things. We're all, we're often talking about who are we preserving this for? What are the needs of that particular community? Right. And one thing that you've talked about there with the gamer community is nostalgia. And like, right. I want to go back to Christmas morning, 1997, Four, 94, 94, sure, 94 <laughs> when I unboxed my NES or my N64 or my Sega and I lost my mind and then, you know, I was in my pajamas for the next two days playing Sonic. Yes. I mean, I'm in my pajamas yeah. every day, but, you know, that's fine. So that's definitely one aspect of it. The other part I think that is changing more recently is with things like films where you're not seeing... Yep. Um... 
you're not seeing you know people preserving VHS or yeah. Betamax or whatever. They're more iterative. So you could buy, let's say, Citizen Kane. Sure. You could buy it. Well, you go to theaters and see it. Of course. You get Citizen on, Kane, you, constantly. You yes. get it on VHS. Yeah. You get it on DVD. You can get it on Blu-ray. Yep. You can buy it digital. Yep. Probably like a 4K UHD version of it now. And each time the experience or what they're selling you as the experience improves to some degree and then you don't necessarily need to hang on to your vhs player to watch it because you can get it again and again but i think for a very long time um you know they might port something like mario from game boy to or sorry nes to like game boy at some point but you couldn't get it on gamecube you couldn't get that game on n64 and now with games becoming more and more of a digital medium for storage and distribution is changing a bit but at you know let's say 86 to 2007 even even (laughs) after that i mean realistically speaking yeah sonic the hedgehog 2 sonic you know as you know and Knopf was, uh, I was in, uh, sorry, Knopf is his nickname, Harmonoff. <laughs> um, I was in his wedding party and he gave me these uh, socks that had Sonic the Hedgehog on them. Very much appreciate it. Thank you very much. Of course. Um, but that's a lot what we're talking about is being able to access that nostalgia. So Sonic the Hedgehog 2 was not playable digitally until the last four years, three years. Something along those lines. Yeah, unless you kept your Genesis. Unless you kept your Genesis. <laughs> and another interesting gray area in mm-hmm. that is, okay, so, you know, you keep your Genesis and yep. play Sonic, or you waited 30 years yep. to get it and buy it digitally, but then there was that gray area in the middle where you had emulation. Mm. Yep. Which is, for the most part, grassroots, too, which is really interesting, too. So, again, it's that community, the grassroots part of the community that's keeping these things going. Yep. Um, and I, you know, some, well, Nintendo's known for being very litigious about these kinds of things, but obviously at some point someone must realize that like, there's money to be made here. People want this. Yes. And that's when I think you started getting the, um, remakes. And so I think that was very popular in the last couple of years and people were really happy. I mean, you look at Tony Hawk's. Pro skater. Like pro skater. Yeah, huge I, deal. I bought that because I wanted to relive yep. me on my computer when I was 14 playing the crap out of this game. Yeah, and I remember playing it with my brother-in-law and getting my butt whooped. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a good remaster, not necessarily just a port, like a good remaster will capture that and take advantage of today's hardware yes but when you get in trouble is mm-hmm. when you do something like what the new grand theft auto did mm-hmm. is when you and i'm doing air quotes here remaster a game but it's demonstrably worse <laughs> in many ways from the original yeah the stuff that's been coming out about that game has been pretty sad yeah and does that diminish the nostalgia of that game does that um lead to the possibility of us not wanting to go back revisit the game you know it's it's harder because in the new generations of these games uh take your something uh, in ps3 for instance or ps2 there isn't a lot of people that kept those copies so i guess that's kind of what you wanted to talk about is this a form of 
um, video game preservation. Preservation. Is this actually preservation? Yeah. Um, and some of the some of the irony with this situation too is when they released the remaster, they you could actually buy ports on the I think it was a PlayStation Game Store mm-hmm. or Rockstar's platform, whatever. Sure. You buy ports of the original games until they release the remaster. And then they're like, oh, well, people don't want these anymore, or we can cash in and sell the remaster for twice the price, whatever. So they pulled the originals, put the remaster out, and people got so upset that they put them back, those originals back on the store to purchase. So you could revisit these games. You could capture that nostalgia in a more arguably accurate form. Mm original to the yeah. take of it by doing that and part of so i think what would be kind of interesting to talk about with this is what <clears throat> what part of the game what is it that you want to capture that makes it um preserved yeah and in digital preservation these are called significant properties okay explain that a bit so let's take a more let's take an easier approach to it. So what is it about like a, a Microsoft Word document that you would say is a significant property? So you've opened up, let's say WordPerfect from 1992. You have a document here. What is it in that document that you want to retain in 20 years? Is it be in that one? That, uh, <laughs> Clippy, Clippy. Clippy. Okay, we can fix that in editing. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. you, maybe. Maybe. I thought that was in the OS, but maybe it was Word. Cl- Clippy is in there. I thought it was in Word. I thought it was the whole OS. I might be thinking of Microsoft Bob, which had a dog. What? Yeah. Is that uh, in uh, which Super Smash Brothers where the dog like paws on the screen? Or is that from a silly game that I'm... I'm not sure. It would be we... Oh, we have another guest. Yeah. Sniffing the microphone. Tigger, you want to say something? Oh, you're gonna step on this. Don't step on this. No, you're you gonna stop the recording. The recording. <laughs> and we gotta start again. No, we're good. We're good. <laughs> What's um, with cats and keyboards? Dude, I have like meetings at work all the time, and my cat will just roll up. Yeah. And like sit on my keyboard. They're like, cool. I guess I. I mean, I didn't want that meeting in the first place. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cats and keyboards. Yes. Continue. Um, okay, we're doing. A thought experiment. We are. Um, what are we trying so yeah, to so keep what from is it Word Perfect from 2002? That, yeah. So you might argue something like the formatting. The formatting of this Word document is really important because if you don't have paragraphs in there or your mm-hmm. bulleted list isn't there, mm-hmm. you cannot understand the Word document in its original form. When you interpret it in a different way, you know you're not seeing it in its original form. So. Maybe okay. you could argue that formatting of the document is a significant property. So these significant properties, you as somebody in the profession, yeah, um, like someone will give you, hey, these are our significant properties. We want to keep these things. Yes. Do it. So if I did digital preservation, which I don't. You, the general... <laughs> concept of and it's honestly more likely that they would come and say i have all of this data and i have no idea what to do with it and you would say okay what about this do you want to keep and that's when you make the list of significant properties gotcha but you could you know it, it's like requirements analysis you don't have to call it that you basically can say like what do you want to keep about this but it's much more complicated you yep. have to do things like how much is it going to cost 
where can we put it in a safe repository where, you know, someone can keep an eye on it? By someone, I mean an automated system can keep an eye on it. Yep. How do you keep the authenticity of the document? So that's, that's a whole other different thing. If, if, if fans at home are interested in that, look up the OAIS reference model. Um, and you can do a deep dive into that, but but that's so that's two our... things that are hilarious about that. One, fans comical. Uh, two, fans that will be listening in general. No, uh, and three, who the who, can I? Am I saying fuck on this podcast? Probably. Who the, who the fuck's gonna go look that up? So we're talking about significant properties, and yeah. what we and that's what we're trying to keep from. Yeah. And I think the games we should talk about this in the lens of the community so that we're talking about and this community Gaming is community. me and you yes so what i want to know harvey is <laughs> what is important to preserve in a video game for you what are the, your significant properties okay so i was i've been thinking about this yeah. um and there's it's i kind of mentioned this briefly when i was talking about uh generations and of, of games so yeah. um for those for the fans the listeners, whatever. <laughs> um, there are generations of gaming consoles. And um, so if you go from Xbox One to... That's a bad example because I don't remember all of the Xboxes. It's Xbox 360, then one, whatever. But PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 2, that's Gen 1, then Gen 2. Easy peasy. Easy peasy, pumpkin squeezy. Xbox. Fix your naming, <laughs> naming system. conventions. <laughs> so PlayStation 1. Yeah. Surprised it's PlayStation 2. Then PlayStation 3. Then PlayStation 4. And what are we on now, Graham? PlayStation 360. <laughs> PlayStation oh, sorry. PlayStation 5. 5. Can you list the Xbox generations for me? There's the original Xbox, also known as the OG Xbox. Mm-hmm. There's the Xbox 360, mm-hmm. which was that white console. Then they re-released it the same with like a pro version yep. that was black. Mm-hmm. And then there is the Xbox One. And then they also released that, it was called Project Scorpio. I can't remember exactly what they released it as, mm-hmm. but that was the mid version of it, but it was still an Xbox One. And then there was the Xbox Series X mm-hmm. and the Xbox Series S, which mm-hmm. is the current generation. And the X is the more powerful one and the S is a digital only yeah. version. I'm pretty sure there's an Xbox One S. That's what oh, I'm that's one about. true. But no, there's actually there was two then because there's Xbox One S and then there was the one that was Project Scorpio, oh, which I can't remember what, what they call it. Anyway, like, don't at me. <laughs> don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, do you have an at? Is there an at for you? Yeah. When so you may not know this, fans, but Harvey and I played professional ultimate frisbee together. <laughs> We did, and um, the owner was like, "You guys need to get on social media." We did, and we did. And so I created a Twitter account, and I have made all of zero posts with it. Excellent. But I do stalk game journalists, archivists, and a few actors on that Twitter. Nice. And by stalk, I mean I follow them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And check my Twitter like once every two weeks. Yeah. But, yeah. but you're on there. So yeah. You're active. So if you can, you know what? If you can find me, at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you could start with uh, Manobo.ca <laughs> yeah. and work your way work back your way from, from there. there. Um, no, so uh, for me, um, I think it has a lot to do with the actual game itself. So, you know, we talked at the start about um, uh, Mario, for instance, mm-hmm. going in NES. And, yeah. Uh, so the original NES came out in... 80 something 
Original 80s? Yep. I mean, I have a computer right next to me, so I can Google that. The Nintendo Entertainment System came out in 83. 83. Okay. Was that the the, the North American version? Uh, that looks like Japan. Okay, cool. Because that mean, seemed kind of early, again, but that does make sense. Don't at me. <laughs> the Jap- Japanese one had a different name, too. Uh, Fam- Famicom. Family Fam- Computer. Fam- Famicom. Fam- Famicom. Yeah. That's right. Family yeah. Family Computer. Yeah. Famicom. Yeah. yeah. So, um, those original um, games, also sometimes known as 8-bit because they were in 8-bits. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 8-bit, 16. The, the, the original games, yeah. the only thing that I'm trying to hold on to as a, as a gamer yeah. is the game itself. The exact carbon copy, keep that possibly... Give me some better loading times. Possibly give me a little bit of a better frame rate. Whatever it might be. Yeah. The only thing that you should be changing is, I don't know, make a widescreen. See, that's interesting though, because you could argue that by changing things like improving the frame rate or um, making it widescreen, you're actually changing the game itself. I guess what I should be saying is, if you're going to restore a game for me, yeah. If there is going to be some kind of a restoration, yeah. Don't. From that that early set of games, yeah. the original, the originals that a lot of us started to get into yeah. as kids. Yeah. Um, that's all I want from a rest uh, from a, um, a remaster. Yeah. Okay. But a lot of those games, I do prefer. Give me a four by three. Give me the original game itself. Yeah. Right. Four by three is in the is the, the aspect ratio yeah. of the game. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember pulling out my Genesis recently, a couple of years ago, yeah. and you had to go into channel three on your TV or yeah. channel two or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Um, that's, that's, I love that. The, the tactility of that. Yeah. Is that a word tactility? Sure. Sure. Is now it's on. Yeah. It's uh, it's coined. You heard it here first folks. Bingo. Um, so the tactileness. That's a ta- tactileness is an interesting concept for. A digital product but you could say oh, maybe not. the gamepad so is the game the tactileness is the gamepad important if you play mario and it's exactly the same down to the exact code you're running it on a virtual machine that's exactly the same as nes but you're playing it with keyboard mm-hmm. how so how important is is the con, the controller as uh as as part of the actual original property well, yeah for me um it's important, yeah. but to some, to others. So it all depends, yeah. Yeah. right? On on well, and that's what, what we're, it is, we're trying and to that's dig what we're down, trying right? to dig down to. I, uh, I think um, if you're trying to get an original sense of the game, right? Of, yeah. I want to. I want friggin' Sobe and I don't know hickory sticks and yeah. gobstoppers. Dunkaroos. <laughs> you know, if I'm yeah going to Planet Laser, like I I I want. That system. That being said, yeah, there is a good enough, and a good enough for me, oh, for, for instance, sure. is my NES Super NES Minis. Mm. Like, I think it, they've done a great job. With they those. did a phenomenal yeah. job. Um, I have an interesting point about it afterwards. But yeah. now we get to um, Uncanny Valley isn't the right word, but there's there's a point in gaming where games started to try and be better with graphics. Mm-hmm. in certain areas. For instance, uh, the first... 
what's the game I'm thinking of? Nathan Drake. What's the game I'm thinking oh, of? Oh, Uncharted. Uncharted, yeah, yeah. Uncharted okay. 1. Yeah. Great game when it was played. Yeah. Go back now. Terrible. Yeah, it's... I don't know. Personally... I replayed that two years ago, and I would agree it's not a great game. It's not a great game. Yeah. Uh, you go back and play... Um, what's the game that everybody likes? You can have sex with an alien. Mass Effect. Mass Effect. So, yeah. um, I'm sure there's many games that you can do that. But for some reason, that's the first thing that came to mind. That probably says a lot about myself. But we're not here for that. Um, <laughs> we're here to talk about whatever we're here to talk about. <laughs> um, uh, again, going back, I, I tried to go back and play that first game. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. So if I, I kind of look at it in chunks where those first games, yeah. Star Fox 64 included, d- don't touch it. Leave yeah. it as is. I want to play it exactly as is. If there's an N64 mini coming out, yeah. I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. P- actually, please, Nintendo. Of course, you're yeah, listening yeah, to this. Come out with a GameCube <laughs> mini. That would be nice. That would be perfect. And just the GameCube <laughs> in the mini, the size. mini size. Oh man, that would How? look so good on a shelf. Right? How cute yeah. would that be? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love it. I and yeah. you know, there's some games on there that I want to play. Yeah. Anyway, so, but then there there comes a time uh, where we get to these kinds of games where yeah. they they start to make things quote unquote more realistic. Where I want a remaster of yeah. the game. Yeah. They're they're already in sixteen by nine. They are already modernized. They're already trying to be realistic. And case in point for this is I've Master been... Chief Collection. Oh yeah, MCC. Okay. MCC. Yeah. So um, for those of you who don't know, there's a video game called Halo. I, all of the fans who are listening, the one or two. <laughs> And my mom. Um, so I'll explain so, this for my yeah, mom. So for Mrs. Harvey. For, for Mrs. Harvey. Um, there is Miss Harvey? Miss Harvey? Te- yeah. I don't know. Technically Mrs.? I don't know. Uh, Madame Harvey? Madame Harvey. Um, uh, for Liz, who uh, was my roommate after my breakup. She was gave that. me Womb and Board. She was my roommate Get too it? for a while. Womb and Board? Well, not that though. No, not for you. <laughs> yeah. But you were a roommate. Yeah. So, um, Halo came out 20 years ago exactly last 20 week. years, yeah. Almost exactly 20 years ago. Um, which is depressing for us who are still in love with that game sometimes. But... All the time. All the time. Um, came out 20 years ago. Five years ago, it came out with the Master Chief Collection, which included Halo 1... Or, sorry, Combat Evolved. Halo 2, Halo 3, and Halo 4. Halo 4, and then ODST expansion. Oh, and Reach expansion. And Reach. Yeah. Uh, Expansion. And so, what you could do with the original... They didn't do it for Halo 3, though. They did it for Halo Halo 1 and 2. 2. So, for Halo 1 and 2, what they did is they they provided the game as it was 20 years ago. Yeah. for, for, For the Comet Evolved and whatever it was 15 years ago for Halo 2. And they provided you with the option to go to a remastered edition. And you could seamlessly go back and forth between the two, and it was amazing to play. You could experience it like it was, enjoy it like you were eating Doritos on you know, Kyle Mebs's couch. Shout out to Kyle Mebs. <laughs> <laughs> Playing Blood Gulch, you know. Mebsy. Um, no, I'll, I'll, I need to make sure I said it to Kyle Mebs. Um, but, you know, um, he was also... I think he was the first one to show me South Park the movie. Which, nice. Again, huge shout out. Wow. I know. He was drawing. Really, maker. really important figure. You know. <laughs> <laughs> huge figure. Huge figure. Um, 
so anyway, uh, but you could, and then you could seamlessly play it as a new game. So, yeah. what I'm looking for for a lot of these original games, Sonic the Hedgehog. I want to play it Sonic the Hedgehog too. It would be difficult for me to go back and play Combat Evolved only as Combat Evolved mm-hmm. as it was originally because mm-hmm. there is a nostalgia part to it. I could play it once or twice, but. The remastered edition is quite nice to play. So fun. So fun, and it's so fun to go back and forth. You can, yeah. And you're, I mean, you are used to modern graphics, and and going back to the original graphics can be a little bit painful. So, what I what I get from your statement there, mm. I think there's twofold to it. One is that the significant properties, you they're not generalizable. They change from game to game, and in this case, maybe generation to generation. So what you look for as a significant property in one game may not be the same as in, in another game. Actually. I think game, like mouthfeel, game feel. So um, when I was playing Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not looking for the realistic blue hedgehog, mm-hmm. right? Sonic the Hedgehog Two. Yeah, I played again. For instance, I downloaded Sonic Mania recently again, which is just like a, a bunch of Sonic the Hedgehog uh, yeah. levels, and that's all I'm looking for. It's just very basic. But as a kid, I thought Combat Evolution. Combat Evolved, sorry, was so... The graphics were incredible. Oh, yeah, at that time. At that time. Yeah, state of the art. Right. So it's the game feel that I'm looking for today is what the, the significant property is. So it's almost more authentic in that way. It's almost more authentic. as a person because you get that same emotional response. Absolutely. You can get... Again, if, if every fucking... That's a hot take. It's a hot take. I like that. Yeah. But... That again comes down to community. So it does for you, yeah, for someone who's, you know, hoity-toity, everything has to be exactly the same as it was. I think they'd be they'd be vomiting right now. They'd be like, "What are you talking about? Yeah. This is not original." So that's that's should that's I put really a cool. like a medical warning at the start of this? Like, yeah, exactly. May cause vomiting you, for you are a hardcore digital preservationist. <laughs> uh, you will not want to listen to this. I'll give yeah, skip whatever minute we're on to whatever minute we're done with. So I want to bring up. One other thing that we kind of talked about earlier that I've been mm-hmm. holding on to, um, you talked about frame rates yes. in games, which is really interesting, and how I would agree with you in almost every case, if you can give me a better frame rate in the game, like it's going to be a better game. Yeah, It's going to be cool. But there is one particular case that I can think of where I actually don't want the improved frame rate. And this is it was an original arcade cabinet, and I think it was either... Um, it was like asteroids, or what's the one where you have to defend against the asteroids falling? The asteroids falling? It's like asteroid defense or planet defense or like the centipede one where the like centipede's coming alien down. Like Alien Invasion? The one, um, like Galaga kind of thing? Yeah, it might have been Galaga. I can't remember exactly one, but in the later levels, there were so many sprites on screen mm-hmm. that it overloaded the RAM in the cabinet mm-hmm. and as they were coming down it actually slowed down oh. and it wasn't necessarily, necessarily intentional programming but it was a byproduct of that game so mm. at the higher levels even though it was harder it wasn't you know that it was still hard but mm-hmm. you, it slowed down to give you kind of a fighting chance so right. if you took that game and you ran it on your modern PC clearly that slowdown isn't going to happen mm-hmm. so unless you throw on a virtual machine or have some way of recreating that in the actual code you're mm-hmm. not going to get that authentic experience and the gameplay may not be as good because it'll it's be true. way too hard yeah and that actually game feel 
right? Game and feel. Game feel. Coined it. You heard it here first, You heard it here. You heard it here first, folks. That's also your coin. That's what you're saying. I might put that in the description of us. uh, You heard it here first, folks. Um, Yeah, game feel. And that's exactly it. And I was thinking about that as well while you're talking about it. Like, I remember playing uh, N64, um, uh, Star Fox 64, and sometimes the explosions on screen, you do a barrel roll very slowly. Yes. But you got to do a barrel roll. Yeah, you have to. You have to do a barrel roll. <laughs> um, I don't know. What about you? What's what? What do you think is and and to put this in perspective for mm-hmm. for GT um, Grand Theft Auto remastered remastered trilogy whatever, yeah, whatever it is. It is. Yeah. Um, it, you, it's not the same game feel because of all the glitches and all of the failures in yeah. the game itself. And also, it's not a huge change. Yeah. Some. Some of it, again, has to do with running it on an overpowered machine as well with with GTA. I can't, I'm not sure which of the three it was, but there's one. And GTA is, I think the whole series is kind of famous for its fogging. So, you know, in the original ones, you could only see so far off. The mm-hmm. system could only render, render so far, so that was that fog in the distance. And which is, yeah, well, that's what fog is, is yeah. a game can't render a distance far enough. Yeah. So as you move through the fog, whatever, and in these new ones, they've removed the fog because these new systems can render essentially the entire map. Mm -hmm. So there's images people have posted online of people flying airplanes, and you can see the entire map, which is basically just a floating square Mm. in nothingness, Mm. and it looks awful. It looks atrocious. (laughs) It looks atrocious. And so why? what's the point of you know, putting it on this overpowered machine to make it look worse. Yeah. Why not try and retain some of those properties? You could still fog it, but you know, do less so, or uh-huh. put you know an edge, or or you know, put something else. Yeah. Put some mountains. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. So you know, better isn't always better. Yeah. Um, so better yeah. isn't always better. Yeah. But as far as as my significant properties, I, I think I'd agree with you that it does change from game to game. Yeah based on my experiences and I, I don't how you feel how do you feel about the game yeah. and you know sometimes like you know it doesn't have to be everything perfect all the time which is you know with digital preservation is comes down to cost and stuff so it's, sometimes you gotta pick and choose so for me like you know the gamepad especially for like original NES games I find really important mm. but at the same time given the opportunity to play this game if the gamepad's not there, I'll still play it. I'll mm-hmm. still enjoy it. I'm not going to say it's the be-all and end-all significant properties, mm-hmm. but I want to get, I want to feel the blisters on my thumb Heck yeah. from smashing the <laughs> AB, <laughs> jumping over turtles, you yeah, know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that. Um, and that's why it's been hard to recreate my game feel mm-hmm. with Sonic, but um, a lot of the game's the pads are similar enough. Yeah. Um, but you can get the mini Genesis now. Can get the mini Genesis. Yeah, which has the gamepads. Uh, I have um, some of those games on the NES, Super NES Mini. Um, I mm. find it very interesting. This is one thing that I wanted to bring up at one point. But uh, you talked about emulators. Yeah. Um, we talked about... Um, oh, yeah, let's come to this. Yeah. yeah. So we've talked about emulators. Emulators, for those of you who don't know, is literally just a software that you can load onto your PC um, <clears throat> and play a game. Uh, you download it legally definitely legally definitely legally uh and um and then you can play it yeah uh now one thing that i found very interesting about the nes 
and SNES minis is that the hard drive, so it comes with 60 games, some odd number of Something games. Something like that, yeah. The hard drive is 10% filled, 5, 5% filled. So when um, you go, you can actually add hundreds of games uh, onto these systems um, legally. Legally, not I'm just saying. I'm you not saying don't I have, crack don't system. crack them, don't <laughs> emulate. Um, I'm, uh, all I'm saying is that the availability is there. And um, I found that very interesting because maybe Nintendo wants you to have all those. It's just the only ones that they could provide. I think, I'm, I might be wrong on this, but I think they are talking about bringing out an N64 Mini. I might have sent it to a friend. Shout out to Andrew Burns. Um, hey, Burns. I mean, I can't do that, though, because I have to shout out everybody. Yeah, if I shout out. But I might have sent it to him. Yeah. Um, so shout out to Andrew Burns and nobody else. <laughs> I, yeah, I would find it one of the most unsurprising game, game scoops of the year if they came out with an N64 Mini. I think it's just bound to happen from the yeah. fact that they've done an, S, an NES and a SNES. Yeah. I think um, the game pads are the biggest thing holding it back because those controls are <sighs> massive. <laughs> They're dope. <laughs> I would love... I would love. I, uh, yeah, those the, it the was three three knobs. For, for Nintendo to design a gamepad for people with three hands, just next level. It's wow. Yeah, yeah. talk about your niche marketing. Yeah, exactly. Phenomenal. Um, have we gone off the rails here? Where are we talking about? We're talking, so we're about, talking about the, the em, emulators. emulation. Now we're talking about yeah. emulators. So I, I, I personally think that Nintendo did a did a great job with those emulators and i think when the they, emulators or the minis the minis which is an it's, it's a version of emulation it's a version of emulation yeah because i mean essentially what you're doing with emulation is you're taking this you're turning the hardware of a system into software so it's like a virtual machine and you you play things on it now it's a little bit more complicated than that but it's essentially what essentially they've done it's the same. Yeah. they've taken the physical box mini sized it and they just put a flash drive in it and you're on your way um but, you know, you were talking about your old TV that you plugged in, you put it to channel three. Well, mm-hmm. within that emulator, like, sure, you can play it on the regular screen, but they actually have a fake TV that looks like an old box TV that the game can sit in. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, sure, it's a little gimmicky, a little hokey, but if you're looking for that, you know, level of authenticity. Game as, feel, if you will. Game feel. Aside from actually going and finding your old tube television, mm-hmm. this is one of the closest ways you can get to it. So I think somewhere in there, someone behind all the money that Nintendo knew they were going to make said, you know, let's also try and make this authentic. Let's get that game feel, as Harvey says. Let's look at some of the significant properties of these retro and these classic games and provide that to to our customers. So... Uh, bravo, bravo to them. Nintendo. <sighs> Nintendo has always been good about that kind of stuff. Um, you know, there's a quote uh, from. Um, I am going to murder this name, um, but I know it's Miyamoto. But Shigeru. This is it sounds right Shigeru to me. Miyamoto. I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> um, he is a, a Nintendo legend. Um, and, uh, for, for, like, I don't know exactly what he does. I just know he's, when I think of Nintendo, I think of him, um, because he might be this board man, board man. I think he started from 
from the bottom. No, and, he's here. Yeah. But uh, there's a quote that I have sent out to a lot of people, but a delayed game is eventually good, but a rushed game is bad forever, or is forever bad. Um, and I don't think that's always true, per se, but it, it speaks to Nintendo's, in general, I'm going to generalize this because they have issues as well as all gaming industries do, or gaming companies do, but they want to make a good product. They want people to be happy. They want to provide to a gamer the feel that they deserve. And I think they did that really, really well with the uh, NES Mini, S NES Mini. SNES Mini, yeah. SNES Mini. <laughs> and um, I'm sure they're going to do something about the N64 Mini. And fingers crossed. The Cube. The Cube Mini. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that to some degree. And as you said, you know, everyone has their problems. I think Nintendo from like the Wii and Wii U era has actually taken a lot of flack for some of their retro games. And this is more of a them cashing in thing where you could purchase a bunch of retro games on their system and then those never moved forward. So when you went from Wii U to Wii, or sorry, Wii, Wii U to Switch, you didn't get to take any of those games over. Mm-hmm. And you know those products aren't really supported anymore. And now, if you want to play the retro games on Switch, you, it's a subscription service. Everyone's going to subscription services. Of course they So are. you don't own any of these games. So in, in one way, with the that. NES Mini and the SNES Mini, yeah. they've done a really good job. Uh, in another way, when you're not actually owning this physical medium, you have zero, absolute zero way to preserve it. Mm-hmm. There's no physical copy. If, if they stop supporting it, the product, mm-hmm. you can't access the digital copies. So, you know, going back from, oh, you know, I have this Super Mario World cartridge that's been in my parents' attic for the last 20 years. I can still boom plop it in if I have the right hardware, which is probably still in your parents' attics, yep. and play it 20 years later. These Switch games, the next, you know, iteration, if, or if you stop subscribing to the service, you're out of luck. Yeah. So, backwards compatibility is, and it, for, one sense yeah and access to media through subscription service mm-hmm. that we can kind of lump together is like that's a huge topic mm-hmm. um and and maybe a topic for another time yes uh but i think we i think we kind of summed it up for yeah. restoration which is game feel baby <laughs> game feel baby i'm gonna I'm going to ask Harvey for a definition of game feel sometime. So game we'll, feel. we'll come back to that. It's like mouthfeel, but a, for your game. It's a bit of a nebulous term, but I think you're on to something. I, I think you're on to something. I feel it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. you have anything else that you want to say about it? I, I think that we should open the conversation to the listeners. Oh, so baby, comments. Make sure to comment. Let us know what you think is a significant property of, of the games. Let us know what you think needs you know, a, a remaster or a remake or what you think of, of remasters and remakes. Yeah. I think some are good and some are bad, but mostly I don't need them in my life. <laughs> I don't know. That's fair. Thanks. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Um, do you, uh, you know, any shout outs? Any, any one you like to thank? We did thank, uh, um, who did we thank? Janet, Janet Turner. Turner. Yeah. You know, big thank. Big thank. Uh, Christoph Becker. Uh, one of my digital preservation professors. Um, I think he's... 
I think he's dead. No, he's still <laughs> at U of T, but I think he went from like, I can't remember, the one where you're not full to like an associate prof- professor and tenured or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but he's kind of one of the, the shining stars of, of the digital f- preservation nice. field. And he's Austrian, which is really cool. Austrians are dope. Yeah. So yeah, those are my shout outs. Uh, cool. I shout outed Liz Harvey, my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Your previous roommate. Yep. My uh, previous roommate. Yep. My current accountant. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, she uh, she provided me womb and board and room and board. It's big. Big. Um, <laughs> I uh, oh and talking about uh, commenting. Uh, comment on future topics you want me to talk about or me and somebody to talk about. If you want to come and talk with me on passing the time with Matt Harvey. Uh, let me know. I this is literally all I'm gonna do is talk with people because <laughs> I'm good at it. That's about it. Uh, so play out music. Put it in here. Uh, the other thing we forgot to mention was Domino's, 50% off. Oh, shit, yeah. Uh, so, you know, this this episode brought to you by... <laughs> Domino's getting 50% Domino's, off pizza. Domino's Pizza, it's okay. <laughs> it's not bad. That's their new tagline. Domino's, it's fine. <laughs>